Hey mamas, and welcome to the Entering Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Marie Bilger, a wife, mom of two, mechanical engineer, VBAC mom, and doula, serving mamas through pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. If you're here for this, if you're as pumped up as I am and searching for that fire that you know is deep inside of you, then let's go. Let's uncover what it truly means to enter motherhood. You are a rock star. I believe in you. Let's doula this. Let's crank it up a notch and let's kick it into high gear together. Hello, mamas. I just wanted to say thank you. And I know that y'all are just sharing this podcast with your mom friends. And that means the world to me because this is your space too. Let's be honest, this show would not be what it is without, you know, sharing this information and letting other moms know that this content is out there so it can help them too. So I hope you realize just how special it is to me that you are sharing this space and you are coming here to learn and heal and grow as the mothers that you are. So thank you. You are going to love this episode here with Alyssa because she is just so full of energy and honest about sharing her experience of motherhood and spreading knowledge on topics that we all deserve to know as we are entering the season of our life. You are going to walk away understanding three new concepts that we all deserve to know as we are entering the postpartum period. So I hope you enjoy it. Let's get started with this episode and here we go. Hello and welcome to Entering Motherhood. I'm really excited to get started with this today, Um, but how about you go ahead and introduce yourself for our listeners. I am thrilled to be here. My name is Alyssa Alter. I am also known as uh, the Amy Puller of Vaginas, a title gifted to me by a friend. And um, I love it because I often have a hard time succinctly, directly answering the question, like, Alyssa, what do you do? Because I have a very eclectic background and all of these things come together. And I find when I just pick one, it feels very limiting to like the scope of what I actually want to do, what I actually do, what I bring to the table. So a little bit about me. I am a former Broadway performer. And when I graduated college and started auditioning, I also got certified as a Pilates instructor because I didn't want to wait tables. Um, while I was very good at and good at it and loved chatting with people, I wanted something that I felt more connected to the use of my time and energy and like I was building something, still doing something I'm really passionate about, still working with people. And so I had a very successful musical theater career and a very successful Pilates career as well, working in elite gyms, boutique studios. I worked with like FIFA soccer players, NFL players, elite athletes, regular people, like children, 90-year-olds. And through all of my experience teaching – I realized that I was way more interested in what I could learn about people themselves through their bodies rather than just like sculpting abs and like lifting butts. And then I was doing guys and dolls and I hurt my back and I was in physical therapy for this back injury. And I was saying to my PT, you know, I've been seeing this with my clients and I feel like what I'm feeling in my body is that it really comes down to the alignment of my pelvis. 
And I didn't realize that she was getting certified or finishing the qualifications and certifications to become a pelvic health physical therapist. And she was like, if you're obsessed with the pelvis, wait till you learn about the pelvic floor. And then I (laughs) was like, my brain exploded because I mean, it's fascinating. Like this is what I love to nerd out about. And I was furious that as a woman, There was so much about my body that no one had told me. And I was like, short of going to PT school or medical school to become an orthopedist, I had like the, I was, I'd been practicing yoga forever. Like since I was 18, Pilates since I was 15, ballet since I was three, tap, so many deep studies. I majored in dance in college about my body and no one ever talked to me about my pelvic floor, which is not only, you know, a hammock of muscles that are an integral part of our core. People talk to me about core strength all the time. I was a, I'm a Pilates instructor. And they, there's just this general, like, use your pelvic floor. What I realized is that for, to different people, some people suck their stomach in. Most people like grip their butt cheeks, which are near your pelvic floor. They're not your pelvic floor. And it's all because someone's afraid to say vagina or anal sphincter, or urethral sphincter. Like these are, but we can say belly button, elbow, all of this blew my mind. And then I had my son who is three now, and I had a fourth degree tear, which if you don't know what that is, that's when you tear all the things that can tear from your vagina, through your perineum, through your anal sphincter, up into your rectum. Two holes become one hole. It is (laughs) atrocious. It is like, I, I laugh about it now, I think because I have to, and also because I have so many feelings about it. Laughter is like what comes out. It was horrific. And I actually did get a diagnosis of PTSD from the experience of like the aftermath of all of that and how my initiation into motherhood was dramatic and violent and scary. And anytime I tried to communicate to someone, I'm scared, I need help, I'm not okay, I was met with, we all feel like that. You'll forget. When are you going to have another? And I was like, (laughs) help? Uh, Help me is what I said. And it was being met with just, you know, I mean, I think it, I think there's so many things and it's so many different things for different people that like, it just goes to show how normalized it is to become a mother and suffer. And this then lit another fire of holy rage inside of me to (laughs) expand I have online courses called Pilates for your privates, and I teach them in real life also and online, um, which I had been doing for years before having my son. And then after having him, and then we went into lockdown and all of that, it really, like, I was so, again, just like furious at this, like, sentenced to isolation and suffering. And I will admit, like, my son was five months old when COVID happened, like, when lockdown happened. So, how much is just motherhood? How much is just COVID? We, I will never know, right? Because that was the experience. But 
it made me speak out more about all of these things that I felt that I was being silenced around, like the reality of what my physical experience was, the reality of what the emotional experience was that I started a podcast called Myth of Motherhood. I wrote a book. I co-founded a media platform called Postpartum with no vowels and just like I couldn't shut my mouth, even though it felt like society wanted me to just shut my mouth about it. That is how I entered motherhood. (laughs) Yeah, it's really crazy. The things that we go through that propel us to do the work that we do. And, you know, I see it as like when I was going through those things, it was it sucked. Like you were saying, like, help me like, hello, who's there? What's going on? And you were getting this like, oh, it just happens. Like, that's just the way it is. Or like that normalizing of this pain and suffering. And I think it's honestly because like, we don't know how to go through it. So we just think that we have to trudge through it or, you know, well, I made it through. So like, you'll obviously get through it. And I think when we really think about it, or those people that are saying like, oh, like, you'll get through it. Like, don't worry. Like, I don't think that they've processed what they've been through. And I don't think that they've been able to come to point of saying like what I went through was traumatic or, you know, what I experienced was hard and just giving yourself that permission to feel all of your feelings and to truly just say like, I was suffering or I like, I needed to you know, process what I was going through or that time was difficult. Like you don't always have to be the hero. You don't always have to, you know, be the like victor. Like you're allowed to be going through those things and admit that it's hard, but also, you know, come to a point of healing from it. So there's so much there. (laughs) There is. And there's also that, um, like, I think we internalize that there isn't space for things to coexist. It's like one or the other. So if, and I think that I've made a lot of people productively uncomfortable by the way that I speak to both, because there is room for these things to coexist Mm -hmm. because they are coexisting. It is happening. But that I was so open and adamant that I was not okay and I was obsessed with my son. I had postpartum anxiety. I was then diagnosed with PTSD. For me, it never represented, and I know this is not true for every parent, so I'm not trying to discount that. For me, I never felt disconnected from my son. I never resented him. He was part of my healing. If anything, like I didn't like when other people held him because I needed that. Like I needed the skin to skin to keep me present so that I could hold space for both my pain and just all of those other like Mm -hmm. incredible things. Just like looking at him being like, I made you like I made what, but that those two things could coexist where I do. And I've worked with a lot of women where there is a reluctance, a hesitance to admit the depth of pain because even it existing, even if it's in our own brain and we never say it out loud, seems like it's a threat to what kind of mom we are, what kind of 
human we are, what kind of person we are, and that it means we don't love our kids. And so I often like, don't add the disclaimer. I love my son, but I operate without that because that is not part of this conversation. That is something else. And these things coexist, which I think is also one of the most exhausting parts of parenthood is that all of these conflicting things are happening at the same time, which is a lot to hold. And it's constantly happening. Yeah. And I think a lot of that too is in raising my children and and going forward with it. It's like when you try to have that conversation of just how you're doing things, it is that like, well, I don't do it that way. Or like, and it's like, you're allowed to coexist. Like both people can parent in two different ways. And that can even be like, you know, generations like, oh, well, we did it this way. And it's like, okay, well, I'm trying it this way. It doesn't mean your way was wrong or, or Or my way is right. Right. It's just, we're trying something different because it doesn't have to be the same in every situation. And I think like that's something that's like very hard for people to not take it personally. And it's yeah. just, it's like, it's a whole thing in itself because it's like, no, like you're allowed to do whatever you want to do. And like, Absolutely. I'm going to do this. And why instead, <laughs> like instead, why can't we say congratulations on like finding an approach that feels right for you? For you. Because it yeah. is a madhouse out there. There is so, I mean, we it's a blessing and a curse, like the, what we have access to and it, oh my gosh, does it feel like you have to pick a lane, right? Like if you want to have an unmedicated vaginal birth, that also means you are breastfeeding until your child is five. You are (laughs) only making homemade, vegan, organic, grown in your backyard food. You are sleeping in the same bed until they go to college, which maybe they're not going to college because they're going to stay in your bed. Like, and I'm saying these heightened things, I have no judgments on, we are all making our best decisions, but also it's like, you can have a C-section and then exclusively breastfeed. You can bed share and buy baby food. Like there is no one way to do this. And we have access to all this information where it just feels like there's one, we're looking for the one answer. And the one answer is like literally whichever one you choose that feels good inside your body that lets you sleep as much as your children will allow you (laughs) every night. You know, like, and it gets to be your like collage of what feels good for you. And that is perfect. And I think the more, like, I love this point you're making and it's as we make these decisions and we sort of put things together, if we are vocal about it in this open way, we then are also giving everyone else permission to do that too. And being like, listen, you don't have to just pick one lane. If like one part of it you don't like, and you also are kind of like, I want to sleep train because I'm so tired and I really do want to shut the door and not see you for 12 hours. Okay. You can yeah. also then still make your baby's baby food. Like you, <laughs> we can do whatever we want and why not support each other in doing right. what works best for yeah. us? Yeah, exactly. And I think like what it really comes down to is, you know, there is a lot of things out there. And I think it's important that we just know what all of our possible options are, but then we get to decide what we choose to do, but making sure that all of those options are available is I think where the problem comes in, because like you were saying, like, how did I not know about this? Like what it, like, what's my pelvic floor? You know, why did nobody talk about this? You're doing all of these things. And it's like very 
common thing sometimes that like, quote unquote, like we should know that we don't know. So like, what can you yeah. speak on that? Like, what are some things that like you have found that we need, or I don't even want to say need, but like, they're just these things that like, we should probably know about, but they're not commonly talked about. Yes. So obviously, maybe not obviously, I love talking about the pelvic floor. I could do it for hours and hours and hours, but I'm not going to do that right here, right now, because I respect your time. And I also understand, like, read the room, Alyssa. I don't have mental space for all of that all at once, right? So <laughs> the things that I like to get started with, because I also think that, especially once you've had kids, right, your pelvic floor, like, there's a lot, there's a lot going on, right? Whether you had whether your child came out of your vagina or not, um, <laughs> there's a lot going on. And so it can feel really, really overwhelming. So I'm going to share three things like, and these are like the three things that like, when, as I was learning and looking at everything, I'm like, these are like the three big things that I think that we all deserve to know about our bodies because I, we all deserve to feel safe, knowledgeable, and at home in our bodies. And after something, there is a trauma to your pelvic floor, pregnancy considered a trauma and an injury to your pelvic floor birth, whichever exit that baby took is a trauma and an injury to your pelvic floor. Right. And, and when that happens, it can feel really scary and unsafe. And we're not supposed to talk about it and all those things. So these three things. Okay. Number one, your pelvic floor is made up of voluntary skeletal muscles, just like your biceps and your quadriceps and your calves. These are muscles that we operate voluntarily and they move our bones around. And a healthy muscle can fully contract and fully release. So if I, okay, so I just moved to New Jersey from New York City. And in New York City living life, you go grocery shopping. And we, I mean, I guess this happens in the suburbs too. Like when you get out of the car and you like, you put all of the bags on your arms and you bend your elbows and they all pile in the crook of your elbow. But in New York, you then have to like walk home. So that's why I use that analogy. So you're like holding your arm like this. You're holding all of the bags, right? And you don't want to go grocery shopping every day. So you got like a lot of bags. It's heavy. And you're squeezing your biceps and you're holding your arms like kind of closed. You're, everything's contracted. And you're schlepping them home and then you get home and you can't straighten your arms, right? Because you, you've been carrying and shortening and working and working and contracting, contracting, contracting these muscles that they, you have to like physically pry your arm straight to get the bags off, right? That's not an optimally functioning situation, right? And the, so during pregnancy, right? Your pelvic floor is like constantly engaged to support the weight of the baby. The muscle is like sort of constantly engaged to support you so that you like your guts don't fall out of the bottom, right? And then we have a baby and then everyone's like, do Kegels. That's unless you see like a pelvic health PT or a Pilates instructor, a yoga instructor, a trainer who is specifically trained with pelvic floor in mind, um, biomechanics and all of that. Right. So, but we have a muscle that's just been contracting forever. So now I'm just supposed to contract it more. That's not a healthy muscle. We need to fully contract and fully release. So I'm not saying Kegels are bad. I'm saying they're only part of the equation. And that when we're thinking about these muscles of your pelvic floor, we need to remember that these are muscles. 
They are muscles. They are resilient. They heal. And for full function, we need a full range of motion. Hey, mamas. Quick break here to talk about Love Held, which is a company that makes beautiful ring sling carriers. Since we were talking about the weight of our babies and supporting them, I know we were talking about the pelvic floor, but I thought it was a good segue into what these slings can provide all while looking great and being able to easily fold down and fit into a diaper bag or store somewhere if you're tight on space. I absolutely love them and Love Held now also creates bedding, bath, and kitchen linens too with their unique hand-woven material. So go head over and check them out for yourself. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Let's get back to the episode. The second thing that I think is so important for us to know about our bodies and know in reference to our body is common versus normal. It's been normalized for us to tolerate. And it is super common to experience incontinence after you have a baby, whether that be urge incontinence where you're like, oh, I have to pee and you don't have time to get to the bathroom. You are on your way and peeing or stress incontinence where you sneeze or jump and you pee. This is a common occurrence because there has been a trauma, an injury to these muscles. That is not normal muscle function, but we've been taught that's normal. So after you have kids, you're just going to pee your pants the rest of your life. You don't have to live like that. I promise. And then the third thing, and this, I mean, I feel particularly, I feel passionate about all of it, but <laughs> is to, but like, really, I can get, I can go into like a whole thing about how this is also like part of like a feminist movement and really like reclaiming your body, your body on behalf of yourself and like all women and vagina owners is to know your normal. Because normal isn't just one definition. Like, for example, I have low blood pressure. My normal is low, but that's my normal. So if my blood pressure comes back at the like 120 over whatever, that's high for me. So I would say that's high for me. So I know that like I'm in a normal, that is not my normal. That's okay for me to know that. Is it as okay for me to know that like, one of my labia is a little bit bigger than the other. Now it's weird, <laughs> right? Now the conversation got weird because I'm talking about my undercarriage, right? Is it normal for me to talk about how the right side of my pelvic floor is a little bit slower to engage because that's the side I tore on? Then my left side is like ready to go. Now it's a little awkward. But if I tell you that if I pluck the like last two hairs on my left eyebrow, if I pluck them, the whole eyebrow disappears, we're back to normal again. Like, why am I not allowed to know my normal? And because of like who I am, and the work that I do before having my son, before being pregnant, I had looked at my vulva with a mirror. I know what my anatomy looks like. So after my tear, I waited until I was on my way to my six-week appointment because I also, I'm not immune to being terrified. You know, I didn't want, I knew emotionally I couldn't handle it, but I looked before going to my six-week appointment because I wanted to be able to ask questions and I figured if I like freaked out and had a panic attack, 
they could write me a prescription or give me something to help me through that, right? I was able to then, because I knew what my normal was, I could say, this is different. Is that normal? Like, is that what's to be expected six weeks after having a vaginal birth and a surgical repair? Or is something going on? This is different. Tell me what that is. Rather than me just being like, I don't know, downstairs feels weird, right? That's a much scarier place to be than... Yeah, that's where the that's a scar. It will fade. And this is six weeks postpartum. It's going to continue to change. Like, you know, things are more open, whatever. But that was very reassuring to me and empowering to me to feel safe in my body because I knew what was going on. It would have been much scarier if I had no point of reference and didn't even know what to ask, right? Yeah. So those are the three things that... Your pelvic floor is muscle, just like your buys and tries. And healthy muscles can contract and release. Because I see a lot in clients that come to me and in people I talk to that really part of the dysfunction is overly active and short and tight pelvic floor muscles, where we all think we have these like loose vaginas we need need to tighten up. And it's like, whoa, actually, she's tight. (laughs) Like she needs (laughs) to like chill out understanding the difference between common and normal and what you're tolerating and why and what your normal is. And Mm -hmm. as I told you, Sarah, I have all of this available in a downloadable PDF with like some more explanation that if this, if you're like, I, that I need to know more of that, you can, there's a link and you can download it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's perfect. And I think those three things are, yeah, like I completely agree. And especially, you know, with that common, versus normal. I think, you know, there's a lot of also sometimes like humor behind it that I've been seeing lately that like, I personally kind of get triggered with that because it's just like, like, it's like, I want to shake some people. And like, I think it's good to like, you know, produce like some humor around it, like some awareness around it and everything like that, but then provide people with solutions. Like, don't just be like, oh yeah, I sneezed. Like I my pants. I know. It's- and like, leave it at that. And then, you know, like this, whole, oh, it's just like, I could like really go into that. I feel like that. And I feel similarly about like the whole like mom, mom juice, mommy wine culture. And I'm not uh, like, I don't abstain from alcohol. Um, and if I can't get through the day with my family without drinking, that is actually showing me that something is off in my life. Mm-hmm. Like what, what is going on that the only way for me to tolerate this is to drink alcohol? Like, which also like, yeah, we use alcohol to like take the edge off of a stressful day. If my life every single day is driving me to drink, I might want to examine what's going on in my life and what mm-hmm. other tools can I use? Like, that's how I think of Alcohol is like, it's a tool for fun, stress management, you know, letting loose, losing inhibitions. Sure. And being aware of what's going on around that is the difference between it being problematic and not right. And so like, what is there maybe instead of drinking every day, I could reserve the drinking for certain days or certain occasions. And the other days I could meditate or journal or do a few minutes of 
some type of cardio, if it's like dancing in the house or something to like get your circulation going and literally pump yourself filled with dopamine and endorphins, mm-hmm. which is like the get high, but like on your own natural hormones. Yeah. Right. Like all of these other things there, you have other tools. Let's diversify. Yeah. And this, like, you don't have to, again, it's common for us all to want to dr- listen, put a straw in the bottle and chug the bottle of wine. That is a normal <laughs> reaction to the way motherhood has evolved in this country. But and should it be? That's not normal. <laughs> that's not normal. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yes, it is common to pee in your pants a little bit if your bladder is totally full and then you like sneeze out of nowhere. Like, well, that's not normal. It is a sign that something else is out of balance and needs to be addressed. So let's use that information. Right. Yeah. But I yeah, agree with you. I completely like agree. These blanketed things. It's mm-hmm. like, I get the joke and like, yes, I'm laughing, but I'm also really mad for all of us because- Seriously, what you're saying is that I decided to have a family, so I'm supposed to pee myself and be wasted all day, every day for the rest of my life. I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is like, I mean, that is like one thing that I specifically like talking about alcohol. Like I have completely cut it out because I was like, why is this a thing? And like when I stopped drinking, like it's probably been about six months now, like I was like, yeah, like I'm not drinking. Like, it's just not my vibe right now. Like maybe eventually, like I'll get back into drinking alcohol, but as of right now, it's just something that I want to experiment with like that, you know, sober curious yeah, and, and everything like that. I'm just, you know, trying to see it out. And people automatically were like, what are you pregnant? Oh my God. Cause that's and the that only was like reason you might not want to drink alcohol. <laughs> I know it really it just like rippled really... into so much more. Well, and it's so normalized. And like, there are all the, like, there are lots of memes about this and they can get really cheesy, but I think there's really some value in that. Like, but what about creating a life you don't need to escape from? And of course, I mean, listen, that sounds great. That sounds also impossible. Like, I mean, life comes with stressors and stress and things where you're like, I don't want to have to deal with this right now. But it's like, what what are we just tolerating? What are we doing? Because that's what's expected of us, or that's what we're supposed to do now. And how much of it is a conscious decision? Cause like, I'm not, I'm not on here to like vilify anything, but it's just bringing awareness and conversation around all of it. And like, what am I doing that is proactively helping me? What am I doing? That's feeding the beast. Cause also like speaking of alcohol, like if you are listening to this and you experience like, incontinence regularly. I hate what I'm about to say too. both alcohol and caffeine. I know it's the beginning of the day and the end. <laughs> <laughs> They're both bladder irritants. So there is like, if you are having alcohol or you are drinking more caffeine, you are going to be more symptomatic. So as you're working on it, you might want to try to look at what your habits are around that and how that correlates to your symptoms. And that's to say then, then if you're having a bunch of either one of those also know that you probably want to set a timer and pee every two hours so that you don't accidentally wet yourself. Yeah. And that just goes (laughs) back to like knowing your own normal, you know, where are you at? And like, you know, for me personally, like I'm not drinking right now, but that does not mean like I'm judging somebody for drinking. It does not mean that like you have to stop drinking because I stopped drinking. And it's like, it's just going back to all of that. Like, this is my normal. This is what I want to do. And it has nothing 
to do with another right. person. And, and, and you I being think, able yeah. to say, this is not my vibe right now. I'm experimenting with this. And then what if my response was like, that's so cool. Good for you. Like, right. I bet that's tough in some situations. And like, it's awesome that you were like, I want to try this. What, you yeah. know, and then have like a cool conversation. Like, what have you discovered so far? You yeah. know, and I think it's another one of those things like the birth experience that and I experienced this also when um, I am married now. I was married previously and got divorced. And when I was telling people that I had filed for divorce, it threatened everybody's marriage. Like it was, you know, everybody then was like, oh, my God, am I not? Aly oh, Alyssa's going to sleep with my husband. Not that kind of thing. But just like what's going on in my marriage? I thought she was happy. Oh, this can happen to anyone that it's like then we do this with our kids. Oh, you're doing this. Well, is that, what am I doing? Am I doing something wrong? No, you're wrong. You're wrong. And I'm right. You're not drinking. Oh, well, you know what? I'm fine. We're just sort of programmed to mm -hmm. see it all as a bit of a threat kind of. Yeah. Like, it's triggers. It's our triggers. And I, I think like, that's what we need to really. And I think like, that's personally something like I've also been just like, bringing more awareness to what's triggering you and saying like, yeah. why am I reacting like this? Why is this occurring? And then internal, like just, you know, journal about it, write about like, do yes. something to really just think about why am I having this reaction right now? And why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling? And do I want to continue Absolutely. to feel that way? Absolutely. And I think there's just, that's like so much to unpack. And I think it's something that, you know, people don't, commonly do like we don't normally do <laughs> yes and that's actually something like this is part of the reason why I am so obsessed with the pelvic floor um because it's also very much connected to our autonomic nervous system and so when we're under a lot of stress there's added tension in our pelvic floor for a variety of reasons and so a lot of what I do through my courses when working with people, when teaching workshops is starts with our breath, which I say like kind of with a, cause I, it's like such a simple answer that I feel like it's kind of annoying. And like, everyone's telling you to do breath work that it's like, you know, if you're rolling your eyes, cause I said that, like, I just want you to know, I understand. And it all starts with our breath. And how do we use that as a way to literally check in with what is happening in my physical body as a reaction to this circumstance? Is it a reaction to this person is exclusively breastfeeding and I stopped breastfeeding very early because it wasn't working for me and I have feelings about this. I haven't finished working through this because I have feelings about this. And you know what? It's okay if you do. It's okay if anything you feel is okay. Feelings are meant to be felt. But what is going on in your body and where is that spiraling to and does it have to? What is that story that you're telling yourself? Is that really? Do you really think that or is that something you learned from somewhere else? And how do we work with that somatically to use that feedback and that information like you were saying? And then journal about it. Talk to someone you love about it. Have a convert, you know, kind of get it out. Think about it. Mm -hmm. Discover that so that you can get to like sort of the root of the issue and not have to go through that every single time and be more regulated, more present and more centered in yourself and your experience, which is going to then make you feel more confident when you're making decisions. And in those decisions, even when you chat with somebody else who is very confidently making different decisions, that's theirs. Yeah. These are yours. They're not a threat to each other. They're both awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love all of it. I think, yeah, 
<laughs> it's well, and, it, and it's also like again, like another thing, like and like you listening. I just want you to know, you have my full support if you need to roll your eyes after what I'm about to say. It is all connected. It just literally all is. And again, like it's said all the time, and I know it can be said in a very sort of flowery, esoteric, unspecific kind of way, but it really is all connected. And motherhood in general is triggering. And I think that's also why once we get in, once we enter motherhood, see what I did there? (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. (laughs) We start having more of these conversations because we're all triggered with whatever our things are. And we're just like, is it just me? Like, hello, help me. (laughs) Somebody see me, help me. Yeah. Is it, you know, and we really come together in that, which we need more of that, that lack of judgment or threat from each other and just coming together and supporting yeah. the living daylights out of each other. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. And I feel like, you know, that's what I'm trying to do here with the podcast. That's the people that I feel like I'm connected to. I feel like those are, you know, the conversations that have just been brought into this realm of, of like what's possible. And I think, um, it just needs to continue to happen. I think more conversations need to be occurring. Like more people need to know what's out there and what their options are and things about our body and learn more awareness and, and really just uncover like the parts of us that maybe we're scared to talk about or don't know about, or are afraid to mention, because I think the more we really dig into those things, the, the better, you know, we're going to feel and the more we're going to get out of life. Yeah. It feels like we're again, like sentenced to this life of like suffering and tolerating. And I get it. Like, and actually there are systems in place that would probably like it to stay that way. And you do not have to, like, it is not, that is not the case. Like we are resilient. We are adaptable. We can create change and we can do it one time. These can be tiny bite-sized things that do actually fit into the life of a mom. Cause like I said at the beginning, right? Like I could talk forever about all these things, but like we don't have the brain space for it. (laughs) I want to share information you can like use and take so that you can actually do something with it. Because mm-hmm. it's it's being able to put these things into practice that then it integrates into our life and we really make change. I mean, we can all agree that like there there's like room for change in the whole motherhood experience, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. room for, for improvement and continued evolution for all of us. Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. So you have, so, you know, obviously like we keep on saying we could talk about this forever Ah! and I really, truly, (laughs) truly feel like, you know, it's something that needs to be talked about forever, (laughs) but you know, you have two podcasts now. So what are they? Like, how can we reach you? And outside of your podcast, where else are you hanging out? You know, how can we get in contact with you? Obviously, I'm going to put those three things in the show notes. I will link all of that. But tell us, um, you know, everywhere else you're at. Yes. So I have two podcasts. One is called Myth of Motherhood. And 
Uh, I am not creating new episodes of that right now, but the there's about 60 of them and they're awesome and incredible interviews. And then my other podcast is called Alter Your Life. My last name's Alter, so I had to. Um, and I have a Substack, a blog on Substack, um, also called Alter Your Life, where I send weekly emails with information about the podcast, but also things to help you alter your life and integrate the physical and the emotional because again everything is connected so um those I think are really fun places to connect and I'm also pretty active over on Instagram at Alyssa Alter awesome great yeah. well thank you do you have anything else before we go that you would like a new mom who's like newly in the postpartum area time period season um that you would like to share with them? There is no one right way. There is only your right way. Mm, so good. That's Great it. way to end it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for thank coming you. on Entering Motherhood and really sharing what you have to share with the world. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thank you for creating this platform to have these conversations. We need them. Thank you, mamas, so much for listening. Remember, you are a rock star. I believe in you. Let's doula this. Let's crank it up a notch and let's kick it into high gear together. Hit that subscribe button. Share this episode with a friend. Message me, email me, call me, beat me. You know how to reach me. We're doing this, mamas. I am so excited to catch you here next week. This is your one-stop go-to place for helping you find the resources you need to make the best choices for you and your family during pregnancy, birth, and most importantly, postpartum. See you later, mamas.